We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is Blue Wire. What's going on, Hornets fans? Welcome into another episode of BuzzBeat. We are the go-to Charlotte Hornets podcast for deep analysis, and you can find us on the Blue Wire Network. Just search BuzzBeat and or Blue Wire onto iTunes, Spotify, or your favorite podcasting app. Also, be sure to spin that one minute, two minutes that it takes to give us a review and rating. It really does go a long way in helping us out. On the previous episode, we had Caroline Darney on to discuss the big three UVA prospects uh, in Hunter, Jerome, and Guy. Really good stuff from her, and give that a listen if you need to kind of brush up on those prospects. But Brian, we have another guest uh, and tell us what we have in store for this episode. Yeah, no Spencer Percy joining us on this episode. Unfortunately, he's a little tied up with work, but in his place, uh, this week's guest is a guy that I've wanted to have come on the, the pod for a little while now. Seriously, this is one of the best people I know, uh, not just like in sports media, but like in life of general. And he's a really funny follow on Twitter. Colleague of mine over at Sports Channel 8, this is Ben Swain, co-host Sports Channel 8, the radio show here on 99.9 The Fan in Raleigh, Durham, and Chapel Hill. Uh, he's also a Duke columnist at WRAL Sports Fan, and he uh, used to do some stuff as well for SB Nation. So if you like Duke or college sports, the Carolina Hurricanes, uh, making fun of the Washington Capitals, like whatever, <laughs> follow this dude on Twitter, at the Ben Swain, if you don't already. Uh, ben, thanks for joining us. How's it going, dude? So I've, I've literally met Geisinger like once ever. <laughs> Damn, you're going to out me like that, huh? Just right up, right off the top. No, 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 no. We, he's my boy. Uh, no, I'm, I'm very happy to be on uh, supporting the hometown or home state NBA team. Uh, That's right. I grew up a Knicks fan. I'll admit that. I'll own it. Uh, so I very much haven't paid attention to the NBA for a while because of that Knicks fandom. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's good to be back in the pro ranks here for a little bit that's right well so how bummed were you that the knicks didn't win the uh the draft lottery the other week and therefore the rights to uh our our grown our grown son zion williamson yeah john john morantz um <laughs> no, I, you, I really did want a reason to get back into the knicks uh yeah. you know a huge john starks fan Alan Houston, LJ, Patrick Ewing, you know, just the, the, the good old days for the Knicks. And, and, mm-hmm. um, after 
I, I guess after Allen Houston, there wasn't much to cheer for for a long time. And yeah. so uh, I was definitely looking forward to hopefully getting back into some, some fandom in the NBA other than just enjoying it and enjoying all the, uh, the Twitter weirdness, which is incredible. <laughs> in the NBA. Yeah. Um, but it, it didn't work out. And then, you know, I'm not a Lakers fan. I've never been a Lakers fan, but it was, uh, it was a little exciting there for, for a bit you know, about Braun and, and Zion being able to team, team up together. I would definitely be in for that, but yeah, you and I believe we're at the Carolina hurricanes playoff game. Uh, as I was refreshing my phone, like a psychopath to get the lottery results. And as the Lakers were moving up, you know, I'm sure people were getting ready to send out their, their rigged tweets as a, uh, people brace for a possible Zion Williams and LeBron collaboration, which would be like, man, just an amazing way to like bookend my, my basketball fandom up to this point in my life. But um, speaking of Zion Williamson, Swain, we got to know right here before we get going, Zion Williamson, is he good at basketball? Yes or no? Uh, I think he's going to be good. Okay. Uh, I'm, I'm not entirely sure, but I think he's going to turn out. Okay. Yeah. I now, think we've, so we've, talked about, we've talked about this many times, BG, that, this guy, he, he, he came in with a reputation of, you know, being the big athlete and being the dunker. And I even wrote one of the dumbest things that I've ever written in my entire life when he committed to Duke and was talking about how it was far more likely he was going to be a bust than he was going to be a star. In college <laughs> basketball. And for a while there, he was the only reason I got out of bed in the morning was getting to uh, know that I would get, go, go get to go see Zion play in person. And uh, the, the dude is just incredible at, at everything he does. Yeah, he's unbelievable. I mean, the guy is 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 like in the you know in the 90th percentile in terms of athleticism. I mean, he's totally he's unique. You know that 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 phrase is overused, but athletically, he is he is one of a kind in a, in a way that is really special and impactful in the way he uses his his quicks and his, at his size with his ability to jump, and he's never really quite out of control except. Sometimes when he's trying to drive straight line in, you know, or, or not straight line, but sort of like go behind his back, you know, that's the only time where he sort of looks like a little bit like a bull in a china shop. Every other time, you know, you're like, man, this guy's so smart and good at getting to exactly where he wants to on the court. Yeah, his, 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 real quick on Zion, his hands are the most impressive thing I've ever seen on a basketball court. It's ridiculous. No one talks about how quick his hands are. One question for you guys: Can can we go back to being mad at George Shin because technically Zion <laughs> should be playing in Charlotte, right? Yes, that's true. That's right. Yes, it should be Anthony Davis and Zion Williamson playing in Charlotte. Yeah, there'd be a whole lot of there. You, you know, in the future of you know the way you know, the history of the NBA, the, the was just sort of like knocked off its axis, at least in this state. Um, and considering that's the franchise that Anthony Davis ended up going to, and now Zion Williamson. I mean, it just—it's just—it's had—it's altered the fabric of, of the history of basketball. It's he'll pretty join, wild. Uh, he'll, he'll join Kobe as a hypothetical hornet. So that's uh, right. That's right. You know, we still get to retire those jerseys in the rafters after the uh, <laughs> after the careers are over with. Um, those enough. count. Those count. Um, but yeah, speaking of Zion, like you were. You and I were courtside for a lot of these games. It was it was like one of the highlights of my career. And he obviously, we, we took we got to see him in person when he came back from the injury down in Charlotte at the Spectrum Center at the ACC tournament. But just what's something you saw from you know sitting sitting press row on the sideline or maybe in the locker room after the game or just milling just sort of like being around Duke basketball, which you are a lot that. You know, people who are watching on ESPN, watching on TV, they're not seeing. Could you maybe give us a little insight into 
the basketball player, or if you want to go deeper into like the human being that this guy is just something, what's maybe the coolest or, or like most special thing you saw getting to be close to this dude this year? Yeah, I think, um, I think the coolest thing about Zion is there's not a hint of fake with this guy. Anything you see that he says in interviews or, you know, him, him smiling or making a comment about, you know, college being the, the best year of his life. I mean, he's what, 19 years old. So it's not, you know, not a lot of, uh, not, not even are there, but yeah. there, there's no, um, there's no pretense to that. He's not reading any kind of script. The, the guy doesn't say anything unless he truly means it. And he's just, he's a fun person. I think, um, one of the, the coolest stories that we heard about Zion, it kind of had to do with another, uh, Duke one and done player, um, who made a comment about having to do things, you know, the obligation mm-hmm. that, that that Duke basketball players have around campus, and he's talking about how they have to go do it. And, and Zion always talked about how they how he got to go do it, and, and saw mm-hmm. that um, you know as an opportunity and an experience. And you know the guy has come out and said if he's not having fun playing basketball anymore, he'll stop. And I 100 mm-hmm. percent believe him saying that. Uh, it's just he 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 goes hard all the time, and it's because it, he's, he loves what he does, and it's really cool to see that level of an athlete. Mm-hmm. buy in that much to just enjoying what's around him instead of, you know, worrying about, am I doing the right thing? Or, uh, you know, how are other people seeing me? He, he literally does not care. He's just himself and, and is a, a very cool person and, uh, very engaging to be around. Yeah. He's a special player. He's going to be, he's going to be so good in the NBA. It's, it's ridiculous. Uh, NBA fans, people in this community, uh, get excited. If you care about basketball, I've said this before, but if you care about hoops, like I don't care. I don't care if you're a UNC fan, you hate the Pelicans, whatever. If you care about basketball, like this dude, he matters. Um, and, uh, we're, we're really lucky. We're going to get to see him play a lot of hoops for the next, you know, 15 years or so here. But let's switch it up to a player that we want to talk, focus on a little bit more. What another Duke prospect that, that you saw a lot of this year? I think he's one of the more polarizing prospects in the 2019 draft, and Mark if not Jordan. going right, right, of course. You know, this would have been Javin Delorier <laughs> if he hadn't pulled his name out of the draft, obviously, or what could have been with Jack White, I guess. But um, you know, I think he's one of those guys where there's a lot of variance between. The people that are following the draft, people that that you know, people on draft Twitter, people that are really studying and thinking about prospects on a on a on a daily, if not like hourly basis, in between like sort of what's the national talking head narrative, or the people that are just now starting like casually brush up on the draft. That's Cam Reddish. So let's start broadly. Like, what do you what do you make of Reddish's freshman year? A little up and down. I mean, there's a lot of ways we could describe it, but. What do you think about his rookie season or his one year at Duke and just some of the issues he had, some of the, the pluses he had? You can start anywhere. And, and maybe were there issues with fit? And just go on, get the, the floor is yours here on Cam Reddish. No, I saw you, you, you nailed it when you said ups and downs. And I think there are far more ups than there were downs for, for me. Um, I think the, the one thing that you have to think of when you think of Cam Reddish is that he was a college freshman. And uh, I, I think he was 18 for most of the year. So he's, I believe he's even a young college freshman playing alongside two other freshmen who are just made for the NBA right now. Like they mm-hmm. RJ, Barrett, RJ Barrett and Zion Williams can walk on an NBA court right now and, and be in a starting five. And, uh, you know, he's, he was a typical freshman. He, he just, he went through some things where 
the shot wasn't falling and he was kind of getting used to some the speed on the offensive end of the court. Um, but what I loved about Reddish all season is he never let it Im- impact his defense. And mm-hmm. if I'm, if I'm a scout, I, that's jumping off the film at me. Um, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's pretty easy to see a guy who comes in with a reputation of being a scorer and a shooter, not hitting his shot. And it would just completely ruin uh, his, his season and, and just mm-hmm. get in his head to the point where he shuts down. But the guy was so active on defense and, and so he contributed so much on the defensive end uh, to Duke, not just in terms of, of steals. And, and I think you ended up second on the team in steals. I'm not looking at the stats, but I think he was, he was up there. Really. Two per two point nine percent steal rate, basically tied with with Trey Jones. Yeah, so, Zion Zion was obviously like in a world of his of his. Yeah. I mean, like he's in his own category. So, so he he put up numbers, but I think uh, I think where where Cam did a lot of his work was off of the ball and more of a denial role, and did a really good job mm-hmm. with that. And to me, that was impressive. I think you start seeing some character in that, um, mm-hmm. where you're able to figure out ways to contribute to the game and make your impact if your shot isn't falling. And I think that that's going to be important at the next level for anybody um, to, to be able to go guard somebody if you're not putting up points. I think that the down, I think about that Virginia Tech game in the NCAA tournament where he didn't play, um, mm-hmm. that that was a little bit out, out of character for him. Um, I never felt like he had any kind of toughness issues or, or not – not willing to, to play through through pain, but you've got a guy that's a future billionaire playing beside you that is you know, putting <laughs> putting your yeah. ear on the line and, and you're kind of thinking, yeah, maybe I'll sit this one out. And, mm-hmm. uh, and, and that one, that one, it was a little bit of, of a red flag, but it was out of character. And so I'm not, I'm not willing to, to paint that picture on him just based on that one game. But yeah, he's got good form. Uh, you obviously yeah. you obviously look at him and he looks the part. He looks like a a pro basketball player. Um, he does. He's got good form on his shot. He moves well without the ball. He just didn't hit shots. Um, yeah, he, he took a lot of a lot of deep threes last season. The Stepien has a has a shot chart feature that where they're scraping data. So it's it you know it's probably not one hundred percent accurate. It's missing some games, but like Cam Reddish took. He took 267 threes this season, which is that's a lot in 36 games. But 167 of them, and that's in, that's not that's excluding one of the UNC games and the December game against Texas Tech at Madison Square Garden. But 167 NBA range three pointers. He shot 34 percent on those looks. Again, that's according to it's according to the Steppy. And yeah, the Virginia Tech game was weird. Like he played really well against Central Florida. Um, and I, and you know, then he, you know, he was a, a little nicked up and, you know, then when he did come back against Michigan state, um, you know, not, not Cam Reddish's best game, but like you said, like, I think the defensive end of the floor is really interesting for him. Um, I think he's a great off ball defender. And I think you saw Duke, what they did in passing lanes with Trey Jones applying ball pressure and Zion and Cam Reddish defending, and you've got Delorier Bolden protecting the rim. Like they were, they were special and just absolutely terrifying to throw the ball over the top or you know long passes to the wing. You know, Reddish did a really good job against those. Like I said, two point nine percent steal rate. I think my sort of my hope for him is 
that you know, you're you're already you're already sort of sort of starting to see like the PR machine get churning with Cam, you know, the starting with the just with the combine, going into the combine and coming out. And I get it; it's all it's part of the, it's the name of the game. But you know, doing a sit down with with Shams, and then he was doing a or Shams, like pardon me, I should say, and he was doing a workout, I think, in Phoenix. And Mike Schmitz from ESPN does a great job. He took out a he tweeted out a video, and you know, oh, the most impressive athlete here at this workout you know, Cam Reddish and he's, it's Cam Reddish, you know, dunking on nobody or whatever. Um, and it's just like, it's one of those moments where you're like, we've got to be really careful about how we manage expectations. I think with him, like you got to be careful in my opinion about, you don't want to ever compare except for Zion who, you know, sky's the limit, compare him to Giannis LeBron, like whatever. But like with all these other guys, like you gotta be careful about comparing them to like the best case scenario. So let's, let's throw out the Tracy McGrady comparisons. Let's throw out the Paul George comparisons. Hey, if he gets there, that's great. And at times, yeah, he looks like Paul George. Like he's smooth coming off pin downs and moving without the ball. And I think he's going to tighten up his form. I think his legs, he has the ability to trail those legs. You know, they're, they're not lined up with his arms all the time. But for the most part, when it's right, man, that shot looks like rain from deep. But, like, I think he's got a chance to be a good 3 and D player. Um, a guy that can hit 35 plus percent can defend a few positions and stuff like that. But, um, I guess my case would be, what do you, what do you, do you have any thoughts on his on ball defense? Perhaps, you know, he had to guard playing the three next to Zion. He had to guard a lot of quick wings and stuff like that. How do you think he handled going against defending smaller players? And, you know, if there were times where he switched on to someone big, cause Duke did a lot of switching this year. Basically, what did you make of, of his on ball defense guarding guys that were, maybe on maybe on average quicker than him or and or larger than him what do you think about his ability to defend up or down a position yeah i think he he almost um i think he almost did better against taller players um i Mm -hmm. think when he would get when he would get switched off on on a smaller player he's just not he's not the strongest guy and and if he was dealing with someone who was quick and strong i think that that's where he got himself into trouble sometimes but he didn't get beat a whole lot on defense um no, he was pretty good. <laughs> and, and so, it, it, you know, not to go back to Zion, but you you always hear uh, people or a question that I would get a lot when I would be on something talking about Duke is, you know, why, why do you just not throw the ball away from Zion, right? Like he gets all these steals. <laughs> Cam Reddish is the reason that people are trying Zion is that, you know, he would yeah. he would use that uh, that closing speed and that, you know, those quick hands that we talked about. But on the other side of the court, Cam Reddish is blanketing his guy, and, and it's just no, nothing available there. So I really don't have like a lot of beef with his defense. Um, the defense. I, I think if 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 anything, it was the strength, um, and even that was more on the yeah. offensive side. I think he was pretty bad around the rim and and uh, in, in the lane, even against smaller guys that he could overpower. Uh, had a lot of charges, obviously. Yeah. But yeah, on the, on the defensive end, I, I really don't have a lot of criticism of him on that side of the ball. Their defense with Jones applying, you know, to, to borrow like a football analogy, it's like they had two lockdown cover corners, you know, with you know with Zion and Reddish. But then Trey Jones is right. the pass rush, you know, like it. It's amazing to see you got like to go back and watch what he reduced Shamori Pons to, who like Shamori Pons is in three weeks is going to get drafted, you know, late in the first round or in the second round as an NBA point guard and see what Trey Jones did to him. What was one of the, was something else uh, to take in in person. It was unbelievable. But um, yeah, speaking of like, of that physicality, you know, this is a guy reddish 47% shooting at the rim in the half court this season. 
just seven dunks overall, which you think for a guy like him, like six, eight, six, nine, almost with like a nine foot standing reach, a guy that, as you said earlier, you like, he looks the part of like a modern day NBA. He just looks like a basketball player, like the way he walks and, you know, talks and chews gum. Like he just looks, he looks like a hooper. But yeah, you know, he shot only 51% overall at the rim. And again, seven, only seven dunks. A lot of those were like, you know, room service. Trey Jones hit him in, in transition or whatever. But Reddish shot, he shot 39% on twos overall. You know, for a team like Duke that fast breaked a lot, that's a little, yeah, that's a little probably disconcerting. What did you think in terms of his ability where, let's say, as we said, he shoots, shot a lot of threes, you know, almost 300 of them this season. What do you think about his game? His like sort of is either his drive game, getting to the rim and finishing, and where maybe he had issues with that, or what do you think about his sort of like middle pull up game? Because that's probably going to be a big piece for him to add going it, forward. It, even that is tough to tell, and, and it's one of those things that are kind of unfair yeah. being next to, to R.J. Barrett and, and Zion Williamson is if he's driving the lane and those other two guys are on the court and have the ability to do the same thing, it's almost a complete loss to have Reddish do that. Mm-hmm. Um, his role was absolutely to space the floor and, and find those open spots and, and catch and shoot whenever he could. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, it was just such a bad idea whenever he would drive the the basket. But there were there were two or three times, even key times in in games where Duke needed a basket, and the the play that Chashevsky drew up was Cam Reddish going to the basket. Probably the most memorable mm-hmm. one is that Louisville game and the big comeback. The Duke's last offensive possession was a design play for Reddish to drive drive the basket and, and get a shot at the rim. Mm-hmm. Uh, he got called for a charge, and then he got reversed when the guy was in the uh, <laughs> the restraining area um, or the restricted circle, I guess. Not restraining area. Got that. That's right. Uh, yeah, <laughs> but that's probably the most memorable time. Um, but he he had the ball in his hands in a lot of key moments. And went to the basket more often mm-hmm. than not. I think one thing going back to the shooting, and this is something that I charted throughout the year, his, and I wish I had the numbers in front of me, but his shooting percentage jumped considerably in the second half of games when Duke was either tied or, or losing. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it jumped yep. a good 15, 20%. It was something, something uncanny. Mm-hmm. And so he does have that little bit of clutch in him. And whenever Duke needed a big basket, they, they looked to him. Uh, quite a bit using using Barrett and, and Zion uh, as, as decoys at times. He obviously hit the big game winner against Florida State early in the year. Uh, Zion wasn't yeah. on the court, um, but still he was he was the the option that they drew the play up for uh, in, in that situation. Mm-hmm. And he hits the three at the buzzer to win the game. He's he's pretty clutch and and uh, I you know just in in the run of play I did not like him going to the basket just because you had two other guys who were so much better at it than him mm-hmm. and you know you'd, you'd like to see him do more in those situations when those guys aren't on the court but with with RJ Barrett being so ball dominant and having such a high usage rate he never really got that opportunity in that offense yeah and you got to remember with Duke too like you know. Uh, 95 plus percent of the time or whatever you've got Barrett or pardon me you've got Delorier or Bolden on the court so someone's already at the hoop you know like yeah. at, in like the dunker spot around the block like there's just there was there's some there's, there was traffic and there's something to be said about the spacing that Duke had you know reddish 21 percent turnover rate overall against top 50 quality teams that was 18 games um you know that went up to 23 percent I think it, it's really interesting because like he came advertised as like a 
hey, this is like a six eight guy that can like handle and pass. And and I, it's funny, you know, earlier today I was going back. I was going through some of the preseason uh, clips of his that I cut and looking at some of the numbers. It, it's so funny. Again, just preseason competition. Like I get it. It's Ferris State and Virginia Union. Like not great, but yeah, he had 12 assists in 46 minutes. And like I just think if there was one thing that sort of hurt his – like if you, if you wanted to, again, just being around the team, watching all the games, where I thought his confidence maybe waned a little bit and where it showed up was his dribble game. I thought he, I thought he got a little more tunnel vision, uh, a little bit like let, trusting his his dribble and his handle left. And he, you know, in the half court, he doesn't have a great. You know, he's not super explosive first step, as we said, not super explosive at the rim. And I think even some of that quick twitchiness is a bit of an issue, or the lack of quick twitchiness is a bit of an issue. You know, in terms of like trying to like create his own shot and hit pull ups and fadeaways. Although he, he has some success there too, but just like even in the open court, like Cam Reddish handling like. This guy, like he's a, he's he, he's a six eight sprinter, you know, like he, you know, on a straight line, like it just I, again, you go back and watch these games of him in in early November last year, and just the heads up, and uh, you know, I'd have to go back and do more digging, but at some point, you know, that that sort of started to change a little bit, and I think he became a little more a little more plodding, a little more head down, and sort of resigned to his catch and shoot role but even i remember you and i covered a game at some point i think it was during acc season and like shashevsky said after a game like you know we're trying to get we we think cam's a a good driver we're trying to set him up to drive to the hoop and stuff like that as you said they designed plays for him It, it seemed like you know to be a bit of a head scratcher when um you know you've got zion and rj out there but they were clearly they were clearly trying to keep him involved and, and not let him get disengaged and maybe it happened to a certain extent but like that dude's got nothing but positive things to say about duke and his experience there i mean I, I, he's not you know it feels like rj and zion are going to be like best friends from now until the end of time and, and i think they're close with reddish but it doesn't seem he seems to be a little more a little more removed or, or whatever um from from that group but you know even you go back to the kentucky game i I thought he i thought even in that game reddish had a different verdict three assists no turnovers those games just became fewer and far between with with reddish hey this is jason pat co-host of the cash considerations podcast check out my podcast and others on the network by searching blue wire itunes spotify and other podcast players All right. Well, let's uh, let's 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 get in one. Let's get like one or two takes in here on on RJ Barrett. Hey, and, can I, can I ask we'll, you a cool question about me. about Reddish? Because it's something that came up this season. I really thought about it. It, it. In in me not being an NBA guy, so this is a really a question for both of you. When the NBA is taking a look at college athletes and, and college players who round out their roster, they're more likely than not going to be drafting a guy that's the best guy on their roster. Right? It's going to be you know, third, fourth, maybe even, you know, a, a rotation player. And I think that's what Reddish is going to be. He's, he's definitely not going to be a, a, a star right off the bat. And we don't even know if he's mm-hmm. going to be good in the NBA, but he can be. And he's more than likely going to be a, yeah. a six man or uh, a, a rotation player. His ability to coexist with Zion Williamson and RJ Barrett and be comfortable with them in the spotlight and and never demonstrate that uh hey i'm pouting because i should be the man and and i'm not getting the Mm -hmm. attention and even though he got those questions literally after every game uh 
how does that play for him in, in the NBA? Is that, a, is that a positive when guys are looking at him, especially in interview situations? I think it should be good. And Richie, I'll, I'll let you get in here in, in, in one second. I think it should be good, honestly. Like, I think it maybe, I think some people might read that as, hey, this guy's like a little too deferential. Like, we need more alpha. Like, we need the big dog, you know, that, that, that is pissed off that he didn't get the ball or the, the possession or the touches or whatever. But for me, for a guy like who cares about culture and fit, like, I, I don't mind the fact that he, like, I, I can look at that and see. Hey, this guy's cool with maybe being a third or a fourth option, which like fits into the catch and shoot three and D sort of like profile this guy has. Um, but then again, maybe if you're drafted in the top five or six, like you're not, you know, it's just, a, I think there's a lot of variance there and, and Richie, you should jump in on this too. Like I usually go for best player available and I, I worry less about fit on the roster, although that absolutely should be taken into account too. Right. But I think there are some people like like you look at a guy like DeAndre Hunter out of Virginia. Like I, there is a like you know one percent chance he turns into like Kawhi you know two point More likely he's going to be a fourth starter like on a good team. Are you cool with drafting that at fifth at, at, at you know at the number five or number six pick? I think I kind of am because I'm just like looking for pieces that make sense and, and fit and can be good going forward. But I think some people could read that a different way. Richie, do you have any thoughts on that? I mean, it's a good point. I think if you're not drafting in the top three, a lot of these players uh, towards you know the middle of the lottery, back half of the lottery, um, you do kind of have to look at fit. You know, I'm with you, Brian. I always tend to go mm-hmm. best player available, uh, but a player like Reddish, again, I've not watched many games of Duke, but from what you guys are talking about, you know, with him being uh, a little bit inefficient, his shot not falling, that doesn't affect mm-hmm. him on the other end. I think a lot of players. When one end suffers, so does the other. And and if he can keep up that, you know, the defensive side, you know, his shot will fall. And and once when he gets his shot going, he can work both ends of the court. But uh, I I do think that uh, looking for fit is always something that teams should be on the lookout for, you know, even if he might not be the best player coming in on your team. Yeah, and should say 77% shooting from the free throw line overall. That's 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 not amazing, but that's 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 a positive sign. Like I I just think like at this point in the NBA like show me a wing that plays that doesn't shoot like 34 plus percent, you know, at this point, it's just, it's more about like volume, you know what I mean? And like this guy, he took a ton of threes last season. You know, he shot he shot way more threes than he did twos. And I just think he's just I think and he shot a lot of them from NBA range at a, at an okay clip. I think that plus the steals, like I just think we need to think of this guy more as like Otto Porter, uh, Trevor Ariza, maybe help, maybe Marvin Williams. Like that's maybe the kind of guy you need to think or Mo Harkless. Like these are the kind of guys you need to think of. I think with uh, with Cam Reddish as opposed to, to T Mac, and if that's the case, then yeah, fit absolutely should matter. But but these also when you have a, like three and D guys, like every every team in the world could could use one of these dudes too. So a guy I think that's a little bit tougher to uh, to sort of place and fit, uh, although he's a little bit more well thought of as a prospect is. Is R.J. Barrett, uh, who's a guy that took on a lot of responsibility this year, both from a, a minute standpoint and from a playmaking standpoint. He played in 88% of Duke's available minutes this season. That's a ton. Um, I mean, especially when Zion was out, he was basically playing 40 minutes a game, 45 minutes in some of those overtime games as well, too. Defensively, he's got a lot of issues in terms of just like ball watching, sort of like snoozing off the ball a little bit. But – 
I think also when Zion was out, we saw him sort of like shifting roles a little bit and becoming even more of like a creator. Um, this especially with Trey, you know, Trey Jones a little limited offensively as well and stuff like that. But like Swain, it, this might be uh, not to put you on the spot or anything here, but like, what do you think of Barrett's playmaking? His, his I think some people think he has a little bit tunnel vision, but what do you make of his ability to run pick and roll and find open guys? And, and do you think he's a guy that could be like? an offensive engine on the next level, or do we need to think of him more as like a secondary piece in the NBA? Yeah. I think the thing with Barrett that, that a lot of people at least <clears throat> watched him in college jump to right away. And the criticisms that you hear about Barrett, everyone always thinks about the end of game situations with him, with the ball in his hand. It, mm-hmm. and, and it's kind of like, Hey, let's, let's forget what he did the previous 39 <laughs> minutes. And let's only think about the shot that he took at the end of the game when you've got, you know, a Zion Williamson on the team who could have easily taken the same shot and, and maybe made it instead of missing it. That that frustrates me a little bit because he's such a good player. And, and like you said, he's such a good playmaker and had so many assists, especially in the back half of the year where he was kind of running the show and, and, and finding the open man and making good plays. Um, at the end of the game, he's just so competitive that he wanted to take the shot and took the shot. And, and maybe it's, Maybe it's good, maybe it's bad, but um, you know that's that's for everybody else to to argue. But in terms of Barrett as a player, he's absolutely a good playmaker. He absolutely sees the floor well. He makes good passes. He makes good decisions. Uh, I, I think there there do come those times where uh, he gets a little focused on on the rim. Um, in those, you have to have a basket possessions. Um, yeah. But at the same time, he's good enough to take those shots and. If if the ball rolls one way instead of the other, are you having a different conversation about RJ Barrett? Uh, totally. But yeah, if you t- if you take a step back from those last thirty second possessions uh, that that jump to mind when you think about RJ Barrett, and you think about his his w- body of work as a whole. He's he's a very smart player and and, and a very team oriented player, and 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 I, and I think he would fit in well. Uh, really with anyone. I think he can, he can take control of a game. Um, he had to at several points during this year. I mean, again, you think about the injuries that Duke had and, and he's got you know, Marquis Bolden and Javin Delorier and Jack White on the court with him. Are you passing the ball? No shooters. No yeah, shooters. I'm not, you know. not passing the ball. I'm absolutely not passing the ball. Yeah. And, and I, I think, you know, when people think Duke, they automatically think they're loaded at every position, but there are certainly times of this year uh, during during the course of the season with the injuries, that they were very limited in, in terms of the options that they had, and and he was the only mm-hmm. guy a lot of times. Uh, yeah, I was I was fine with it. I, I was kind of uh, against all of the criticism that 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 Barrett got a lot during the year about the uh, the hero ball claims and yeah and, uh, and going one on five instead of using using his teammates. Uh, I just I, I didn't I didn't see it. I saw a guy who wanted to win basketball games and, and yeah. it goes back to what we just talked about. Reddish. There will be teams that like that. They want the guy that wants the ball in his hands at the end of the game. And if he misses the shot, okay, you lost that game. He's going to take it again the next game. He's, he's never going to be a guy that shies away from that and, and kind of learns that lesson of maybe I shouldn't take this shot. Yeah. <laughs> I think there's some positives positives to that when you're a guy like like RJ Barrett. So I like him a lot yeah. of a prospect. Obviously you mentioned the, the defense and I think one thing that almost concerns me a little bit more is going back to other Duke guys like Jabari Parker or uh yep. or Marvin Bagley. 
a lot of times it's just effort on defense where like these guys just have no desire to play defense at all. Barrett tried and tried hard and, mm-hmm. and just got lost a lot of times on defense. And like, like a lot, like a lot of 18 year olds do off the ball, you know, like I, I think that's something that he can get better at. And I think he's actually a pretty um, underrated athlete, like dude, 40 dunks this season. <laughs> it's a lot. He's a really good transition player. Um, you know, gripe if you want to about how, you know, synergy tracks transition scoring, but like the dude was an absolute monster in transition this season, 232 points on the break, uh, 59% effective shooting. Yeah. This used to bother me during the season when, like people would throw out the Andrew Wiggins, like not a lot people that weren't really paying attention, but people would throw out the Andrew Wiggins comparison for RJ Barrett. It's like, first off, these are two totally different players and part at the core. It's because like RJ Barrett, this dude loves playing basketball. This dude loves to win basketball games. That's the same thing I'd say about Draymond Green. That's the same thing I'd say about Kevin Durant. It's why I think the Warriors are going to win another title. Like the dude loves to hoop. He loves to compete. He loves playing with his teammates and winning basketball games. Like, and some of the same sort of like knocks that came on him, the hero ball, the usage rate critiques, it's to me, it's not apples to apples because it's different positions, but like it sounded a lot like the gripes that even smart people had with Bagley last season. And it's like, yo, he's going to get to the NBA. He's going to get in a, a different style of offense with more shooters, with, with good coaching, you know, with, uh, it, it just with a, with a more, with a more room to work with and more space. And like the usage rate's going to come to, he's not going to have a 31% usage rate next season. Like I feel confident in saying that. Um, and perhaps with, guys, I got with, with Bagley, it could be, you know, 12 minutes to go in the first half. He's not passing the basketball. Yeah. But, but Barrett, oh. he, he was setting up a lot of guys scoring baskets and you're just not at the very end of the game. So I even think there's a difference there, but I, I get what you're saying between those two, certainly. Yeah. It just, it was like, it was like Duke is asking these guys to do a lot. <laughs> like, you know, Kay is, Kay is saying, you're, you guys are special basketball players. You should be in the NBA right now. You're not, you're here. Uh, and we're going to use you guys to win hoops. And, and I think with Barrett, like, I, I think it's interesting because I think he'd be just like an awesome, like second side player. Like you throw the, you throw this guy, the ball, you know, he's playing next to another primary creator. You throw the ball to him. He goes and he creates his own shot or gets his own bucket or, or whatever. But it's like, it's like one of those things. It's like, if you can find one of those guys that can be a pick and roll engine, that can be like a lead playmaker. Those guys are so valuable. It's like, you've got to take your chance on seeing if Barrett has that as that in him. He certainly has the personality in, in like the like the disposition for it and just be curious to see if he has the ability to read like play with his head up a little bit more he's such a powerful strong player but he's sort of like a little choppy with some of his movements and if you ask him to dribble seven or nine times and then shoot like you know, he's going to struggle that but he does have these some some of these possessions where it's like you know come off a handoff with Trey Jones into a pick and roll and then like make the decision. And like, he does pretty well in that. I just think there's something to build on. I'm not all in on this guy being like an offensive firepower engine in the NBA, but I think there's a, a non-zero chance of it. And if his floor is like, he's a, he's like a good second side player. Like those, those kinds of guys are still super valuable. Even if you draft them um, third overall, like there's still, there's still value to be, to be had there. Well, look, man, Swain, we really appreciate you you coming on here with us. We went way longer than, than we planned. Uh, that's that's almost certainly on me for uh, blabbing too much here. But and um, I did not mention Kihei Clark once. 
That's right. Thank you for not. Thank you for for not doing that. I, I appreciate you not mentioning uh, the five foot nine traffic cone there. So, anyways, I uh, Swain, tell tell the people is there is there anything you want to promote or or at least tell people where they can find you on Twitter, on the web, or wherever. Feel free to 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 mention anything here. Yeah, uh, myself and Brian both. At Sportsnet Elite on Twitter, uh, Instagram, Facebook, all those uh, places. You can hear us on the radio every weekend on 99.9 FM in the Triangle and streaming everywhere. Uh, you can go to WRALsportsfan.com and, and find our, our stream and our best of podcast. But we do, uh, we do some good stuff on weekends and, and have fun with it. So check us out there. Uh, and then also I am on Twitter at TheBenSwain and uh, find me there. All right, guys, thanks again for tuning in. We hope you guys learned a lot about Zion, Reddish, and Barrett, the uh, the big three from Duke. Uh, definitely let us know your thoughts on these prospects, and we'll be happy to have that conversation on Twitter, wherever. Uh, and be sure to give this episode a retweet when it comes out on Twitter. For Brian, I am Richie, and thanks to our guest, Ben Swain. Go Hornets. Go Hornets.